Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's about time I got him on the show. Keith Smith joins now at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. Contributor to SpotTrack, Celtics blog, and also does the front office show with Trevor Lane. Keith, how are we doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, as always. Love it. And I'm glad I brought you on today because I, I saw that you wrote about Dylan Brooks and a potential contract extension um, for, for SpotTrack. What, what do you think is going to ultimately happen? Obviously, the Grizzlies have not gone out of their way to to extend him. Um, I, I think around the league he still has some value. Um, what do you think ultimately happens with Dylan Brooks this offseason? Yeah, I think this is kind of an interesting point for the Grizzlies as far as their franchise goes because they have made an effort to lock their own guys up over the years, whether it be John Morant, Stephen Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr. It'll be Desmond Bain here very soon. They retained Tyus Jones in free agency as well. So now you kind of look at it and say, well, Dylan Brooks, is he going to be the next guy, or is this kind of the turning point where it's, all right, eventually some guy's got to go, and he's going to be the guy. So we'll see. My guess is it probably goes into free agency as opposed to an extension. Um, I wrote in the piece that I think the way to do this could be to do one of those front-loaded contracts where he gets basically the same amount of money, but give him more money up front. So as he ages and he hits his early 30s, He's making less money, but we'll see. It's going to be a really interesting thing to watch play out here over the next several months. But when you look at the Grizzlies and how they're set up, should they? it feels like they have gotten to a point where his value to them defensively outweighs a lot of the negatives on the offensive end. Like, Should they prioritize trying to get a deal done, whatever that may be, this offseason with them? Yeah, I think you you need to be careful with, with those kind of things because sometimes if you look at it and say, well, we got to get more offense on the floor, you can kind of go away from what makes you a pretty good, tough team anyway. And if it's not going to be enough offense that it really outweighs what you lose defensively, that can be the challenge. I also think, too, and I, I've made the jokes, too, that the, you know, Dylan Brooks could walk on the floor with the dream team and be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm the best guy out here. I get right. this, right? Like, 
Like, that's just, you know, kind of who he is. And But that helps. You know, in those games when John Morant maybe doesn't have it going or Desmond Bain isn't playing, you need somebody else who's going to walk on that court and be like, all right, guys, we got this. Let's go. Like, this is not a problem. And, and he's that guy for the Grizzlies. So I think that's something that they would lose if they just let him go because there's no one else on that roster as it stands today that's in position to – step up and take that over. Now, if you could get that through trade or you could get that through free agency, maybe then you feel a little bit differently. And those are kind of the back room conversations that are happening right now where it's, all right, you know, hey, let's see what it looks like. And, of course, this playoff run will have a lot to decide in what Dylan Brooks' future may be as well. And it gets tricky um, because especially here, uh, people focus on some of the negatives with Dylan Brooks and how bad he's – I mean, this has been a really bad year for him offensively when you compare it to the past, just not efficient. Uh, The three-point shot's not there. The confidence isn't there. But when we look around the league, what do you think his value is around the league? How much do you think he's valued by the other 29 teams? Yeah, I think he's a guy, and what I wrote in the piece is he's probably got more value to Memphis than he may have around the league. Okay. And that is tends to lead towards a guy who will get re-signed or a guy who maybe even signs an extension because I think the rest of the league is going to look at him and be like, okay, he's okay, but we can't necessarily incorporate the 30% shooting. Um, there's, you know, let's just own it. There's some attitude stuff with him, too, where I think, you know, the Grizzlies have come to embrace it. You know, I always say he's a top-tier irritant in the league, right? He's going to get people upset. He's going to go at guys. He's going to make them angry. There is that irrational confidence piece, which I think Memphis embraces some with him, but I think around the league, that's another thing you may look at and be like, I just don't know, you know, if we want to spend, you know, 15, 16, 17, maybe even $20 million a year to bring a guy in who's got kind of these kind of glaring flaws in his game because it's, he's a good defender. He can be a very good defender, but he's not a consistent, like, all-defense guy, and that limits his upside salary-wise as well. And I've always said he's more of a pest than a stopper. I mean, like, it, it, but that's yeah. that's sort of what we – I mean, Marcus Smart it, it will have more stats. Pat Bev has been on the all-defensive de- team has more stats, but he he's more of a pest than anything, and I think that is part of the reason we haven't seen him get onto all defensive teams. Do you think that there should be more consideration for him in that conversation? Uh, maybe. I, I think what happens is you, you have a hard time pointing to the plays where it's Dylan Brooks stepped up to wing scorer X and shut him down multiple plays in a row in, mm-hmm. in a big game or something like that, because I think what he has done, especially over the last couple of seasons, is he's bought into the idea of, all right, my job here is don't get beat by this guy and then funnel them into Stephen ja- uh, Stephen Adams and Jaron Jackson and let them kind of yep. do the, the taking care of it in there. And he's very, very good at that, and that's important too. And then I think there's other times too where it's we talk about this a lot where it is um, uh, on the offensive end where they, they call it the, the player hands another player a grenade which is that, you know, you're throwing him the ball with two seconds left on the shot clock, and like, here, I can't create anything. Yeah. You take the bad shot. I think that happens on the other end of the floor, too, at times where it's yep. like, I can't lock this guy up. This guy's cooking me. I'm going to hand him off here on this soft switch. And I think Dylan Brooks has to, at times, cover for John Moran every once in a while, more this year than in the uh, past years. And I think it's just, I think that foot might be bothering him for Desmond Bain at times, too, and he gets stuck in tough spots where it's, you know, hey, go out there and do this because he doesn't always have a lot of help out there around the arc. 
So the Grizzlies had some major, major struggles heading into the All-Star break. They seem to have recently righted the ship to a certain extent. Uh, They have missed Steven Adams dearly. He's a guy that you don't really notice until he's gone off the floor. The screen setting on defense, what he can do around the rim, like the offensive rebounding, the rebounding in general, you don't really know what you have till it's gone. Obviously, he's going to return here maybe at the end of this, this, uh, this road trip. Uh, but what have you thought overall of the Grizzlies going through these struggles, trying to right the ship right this second? Yeah, I think it, obviously it's better to go through it now in February and March than it is to be going through it in April because you're, if you're trying to figure it out then, your, your playoff run's probably over. So let's get it figured out. You know, they, you would have hoped they might have stumbled into some stuff that works a little bit better on those nights when – Steven Adams is off the floor. We saw it last year in the playoffs. He got played off the floor at times, and they had to change up the lineups. And that just hasn't seemed as smooth this year as you would have hoped. You know, I know I thought, well, they're okay, right? You've got Santi Aldama. You've got Brandon Clark. You've got, obviously, Jaron Jackson in the starting group. You'll be fine. And it just kind of hasn't been because it seems like they're trying to get by with Xavier Tillman doing the Adams stuff. And, it, it, he tries, but he's just not Stephen Adams. And that's the, the little bit of that challenge. And as you said, you run into some things where you don't miss those things until they're, until they're not there. And the players are, are in the same boat where it's, you know, wow, I, I have a little less room coming off this yep. screen because you know, Adams didn't wipe the guy out. So I, it, it's been frustrating to some extent that, you know, all right, we're at the point in this team's arc as a competitive team where we shouldn't be going through these same kind of lulls. But it happens, and this year more than ever around the entire NBA, we're seeing these extreme highs and then teams kind of falling off to these mm-hmm. you know, lows. If they're the good teams, they're not extreme lows, but they're still lows. Boston's gone through it. Milwaukee's gone through it at points as well. And Boston, or excuse me, Milwaukee now has won 16 in a row, and they look like you know they're never going to lose again. And they'll have a couple losses in a row coming up here, I'm sure. And it's just the way this season has gone. This is the most balanced uh, deep of the league's end that I can remember in years. One of the discussions we've been having, too, last thing on the Grizzlies, is that Steven Adams is a guy that they didn't really – obviously they extended him this last offseason for, for two years, but it's not a guy that they necessarily thought was going to be part of the future plans forever. But it, it, he's irreplaceable right now, and I feel like the Grizzlies are running into that a lot. Like with, with Dylan Brooks in a lot of ways that we just discussed, Xavier Tillman's been great in filling in for, for Steven Adams, and he's I think he's coming up on a – on a team option for $1.9 million. It feels like the Grizzlies are in a spot where they are putting a lot of trust in, a guys, that, in guys that they didn't necessarily think were going to be part of the future plans extending into you know five years, six years from now. I think that's part of what comes with getting this good this fast. It, it sound, it's very easy to point to John Morant. Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. is those are the reasons. And I'm not saying they're not, but then what happens is if everybody else starts to take on a bigger sense of importance within the team, there, there, there was a point I always think when the Celtics uh, got good very, very quickly, it was, all right, wow, you know, Kelly Olenek is a bigger part of this team than I think we ever thought he would be right. as a mid first rounder and those sorts of things. And that's now what you're seeing. Yeah, you're seeing that happen with Steven Adams. You're, you saw that 
right, like you said, with Dylan Brooks, with a guy like Xavier Tillman, Tyus Jones, great example. Mm-hmm. They paid a lot of money for a backup point guard, which was not a mistake. You need a good point guard because John Morant, we know he's going to miss some time mm-hmm. every year just with the way he plays. And that's another guy who's got a major sense of importance. And now they've let some guys go. Kyle Anderson, you know, they, they, they moved on from DeAnthony Melton because they trust, all right, we, we'll get the next, you know, uh, run a guy through here, whether it's uh, Zaire Williams or Jake Ravy or David Roddy, but we believe in our ability to draft and develop these guys, and that's that's how you kind of keep that churn going around your major guys. But, yeah, guys like Adams, uh, Tillman, and Brooks, they're big parts of it. No, it Tillman not at quite as much. It feels like right. he's been in the league way longer than he has been, <laughs> but, but those other two guys, you know, they're, they're now key veterans that – that you kind of need those guys because you're not building anymore. You're you're a good team. You're now entering the, all right, we're a contender phase versus the we're building up to be a good team phase. And I think part of the Xavier Tillman thing is he doesn't look like he's in his mid-20s. <laughs> he looks yeah. like he's thir- it, it, well into his 30s. Tillman, <laughs> it's that Xavier Tillman <laughs> senior, right? It's that right. senior at the end that, that throws you off almost where it's like, all right, well, you know, the only seniors I have in my life are, you know, people who are, who are older than me, so he must right. be old. Yeah, talking with Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. A little LA talk. No, you you do the front office show. Your co-host Trevor Lane, and he always talks about. I, I see him tweet basically every night about what the what the Lakers need to happen for them to move up in the standings. Uh, but LeBron has that right foot tendon injury. He's going to be reassessed in three weeks. Do you think they can pace themselves into the play-in still uh, dealing with with that injury? It's going to be really hard. They can't. I know they won the other night in Oklahoma City without Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell, but they can't have those guys missing games. You now you need those guys have to be out there. You 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 can't take any more games off. You can't have any bad losses. It's just going to be too hard for them. So maybe they get in. You know, I think that may end up you know being less about them in some ways and more about teams like Portland and Utah. And do they stumble and do they fall? And is that how the Lakers land? ultimately into the playing tournament. But, yeah, it's going to be tough. And ultimately, with LeBron, we'll look at it and say, probably in the two, three weeks when they start reevaluating. Because here's the thing. If normal, you, know, you look at it and say, two weeks, all right, that's not the end of the world, even mm-hmm. if it's the third week because there's some ramp-up time. But we've only got about four and a half weeks left right. in the season. So we're getting down to it now. And I think people don't necessarily have not wrap their heads around that because I think, you come out of the all-star break, it feels like that's mid-season, but it's really not. There's, you know, a lot of these teams have less than 20 games to go. We've only got, a, you know, well under a month to go, or I guess about a month to go in the season, about four, four, four and a half weeks. And that's a big absence. So they'll look at it and probably at some point have to make a decision, all right, are we bringing LeBron back or not? Because if you're not really making a run, or it's, oh, we're just kind of hanging in there, but we're going to get bounced in this play, and you may, you may say, you know what, let's just let him get it right so we can get back at this in the fall in a better place. Yeah, now the other L.A. team is now Ofer with Russell Westbrook as a starter. Now, when, when they went and got him, I, full disclosure, thought it was decent, but I, I thought, like, based on what he did in L.A., like, why not make him a bench piece and let him play that role off the bench? They have a space floor. It seemingly fit better um, for him in in a Clipper uniform than it did in a Laker uniform, and I don't think people really argue that. But, again, they're 0 for, and he's 0 for or his last 14 when he starts a game. What's going wrong with him? What's going wrong with the Clippers, and why is this not working or meshing? Yeah, you're now seeing with Russell Westbrook, this is a player who has no confidence left in his jump shot at all. And that sounds 
weird to say because he's this deep in his, into his career. But there, there's just no confidence left there. I mean, Draymond Green was guarding him last night from Oakland, and they play the game yeah. in San Francisco now. <laughs> he was you know, so far away from him, and it was like, I don't even know what to, to, to do with this. We saw you know, the two games the Celtics played against them, two high-profile games. At the end of the game, they guarded him with a center because they were like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're, we're, we're just going to put our five on you and figure it out the rest of the way. So that's going to be something. I, I don't know if the Clippers eventually say, all right, we're going to move you to the bench, or if they just say, hey, this didn't really work out, and you know, we, we gave it a shot, but we're, we're going to move on. But, yeah, it's the Clippers made moves at the trade deadline, and all those moves they made look like they might have, uh, just kind of shuffled deck chairs a little bit on the Titanic here where it's just not good enough. You're, you're in a position yep. where, yeah, this just it didn't make us all that much better and we thought we were going to be in a better place. But I'm also, like, their game against the Warriors, I'm not going to put that all on Russ. Sure, he was bad, but a whole bunch of other guys missed every shot they took, and they just go through these regular season games where they act like they're, you know, four-time champions that are playing just to get yep. to the postseason, and they haven't won anything together. So that, that's where, unless they show a little more care factor, it's just tough. Yeah, flip on the switch. They've never been able to flip on the switch. It's just it's it's been brutal for them. And I, I remember when they put that team together with Kawhi and PG, the 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 thoughts we had about the defensive prowess, the offensive prowess that would follow it just has not ended or or really done. They haven't done anything in playoff basketball. So I, I I'm with you now. Um, I I'm curious your thoughts here. Luca and Kyrie last night we see them with their best game together. Um, 82 points combined, 28 for 44 from the field, 13 for 21 from three. I mean, the, the offensive numbers were unbelievable. They beat the Sixers. What do you make of that team, and how, and how realistically scary are they come, come the playoffs? Yeah, it's really tough. It, it, you know, as I look at the, the Mavericks, I thought it was going to be a little bumpy offensively to start out for them. And it was. It's just going to take – it was going to take a little bit of time for those two guys to figure out how to play together, but I figured they would. Their bigger challenge is they, they don't play any defense now. And then yep. when you look around, it's yep. like, all right, Dwight Powell's an okay defender, but they're asking him to function like prime Rudy Gobert <laughs> out there, and that's just not who he is. And then you've got uh, Josh Green, pretty good, solid wing defender, but he's – you know, you're talking a guy, young guy who's – just getting his career going. So it's just that's going to be the challenge. They're going to have to try to beat teams by outscoring them every single night, and that means that Luka and Kyrie are going to have to be great every night. And I don't know when you get in against the best teams that that's going to be a way that they can win games. So that that's their their issue for now. Now that they can't fix it, obviously, the rest of the season, but that's what that front office needs to get you know on and try to get figured out here going into the postseason, or going into the offseason, rather, because that's going to be your big thing. If you're going to keep Kyrie there, you've got to surround those two guys with better defensive players. So with that, where do you, do you think Kyrie stays there this offseason? Do you think they get an extension done? Yeah, I, I'm done predicting the Kyrie game. Okay. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I hear you. you know, I get it. I, you know, I, I am never right on it. So, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I said today we, we did a live front office show and somebody asked a very similar question, and I said, you know, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they won the title, and then Kyrie's like, "All right, I'm out of here." <laughs> like it just nothing surprises me with but, him. It wouldn't surprise but, me if you know, he signed a four year deal. But if it doesn't get done, how? Fo- I mean, the the Mavs front office is going to look foolish. Mark Cuban's going to look foolish for for pulling this trigger on this deal if if they don't get anything long term done. Yeah, hundred percent. Now that's the risky take when you get into the Kyrie Irving yep. business. Is 
you know, you, you, and it, you know, it's funny because people are like, well, I'm sure he told him. And I was like, this guy stood on the middle of the Celtics court and told the entire building, fans, teammates, front of, everybody, hey, I'll resign here this summer if you want me to. And then months later, was like, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. And, you know, so it's just, you know, and I, and I don't fault him for that necessarily, but I'm just, I'm also not going to necessarily trust anything he says. But yeah, Dallas made a significant, you know, bet here that they could make this work on the court, but also make it work off the court and make Kyrie want to stick around. My guess is he probably stays there, but then we're already on the clock, right? Is it yep. Tom? Is he there for two years? Is he there for one year? What's that going to look like? Mm-hmm. I get you. He is. Uh, Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. Now to the East, the Knicks have been a pretty positive story. Seven wins in a row. How scary are they as an as Eastern Conference uh, opponent once they get into the playoffs? They're tough. I, I don't know that they're going to win more than a round in the playoffs, but they're going to make whoever they play, whether it be the first round or the second round, they're going to make them work for it. That, that team you know, really makes it work on both ends of the floor. Better offensively than anyone ever could have guessed that they yeah. would be. They're, they're you know, up there in the top ten in offense, which is really remarkable considering you look at kind of their personnel and it's, all right, I really like Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle's okay, and then it's like, wow, but they're really making it work. Josh Hart's addition to them just really rounded that team out. It gave them that one more wing player they can put in the rotation and really trust. They're not having to play two small guards off the bench anymore that they, they Tom Thibodeau now has his nine guys and he's got his guys who are gonna you know go probably 35 40 minutes in the playoffs and then he's got his other guys that are gonna play you know somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes and that's gonna be how it is so they're, they're really you know good functional depth really solid team that it's a it's a good group I just I think in the end when we get into the postseason you'll see teams will game plan them mm-hmm. a little bit they'll make it a little bit harder for them to score and that's where it'll go a little sideways on them but They've got great flexibility moving forward, too, so really good position for the Knicks to be in. How much do you buy into the East being the Bucks or Celtics to lose? I, I think that's where we're at. I, you know, I don't want to denigrate Philadelphia because they've had a good season, but they just haven't shown us that they can beat either one of those teams. I mean, Boston played them with a team full of backups and beat them, and then on a night when they were mostly healthy and Philly had control of the game in the second half, the Celtics came back and took it away from him and won again. I always return to that Joel Embiid quote. It's a few years old now, but when he was like, this isn't a rivalry because they always beat us. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. And they, they've had similar problems with the box. So I, I don't want to go as far as saying the real finals is the East finals between Boston and Milwaukee. And who knows if we'll even get that. Right. It's still a long ways off. But I think those are the two best teams in the league. I don't think they're just yep. the two best teams in the conference. I, I think they're you know pretty well ahead of just about anybody else. And I'd put pick those two to win the championship against any other teams you want to throw at them. Who uh, who would you lean to, or is it just a straight up toss up? I know what the Bucks have been able to do lately. The Celtics have been consistent all year. Um, do you lean either way? I, I right now I'm still going to lean Boston. I, I I think they will finish ahead of the Bucks. In the standings, this 16-game win streak is awesome, and it's been great for them. But you got to start to wonder, like, are you peaking a little too early here? Is you know, what, what's going to happen? Because you know, just law of averages, they're they're going to probably lose three or four here at some point, and that'll re, rebalance things out. And I look at it too is. You know, as I kind of made, made the point with the Celtics fans that were panicking of, you know, now we're behind the Bucks in the standings. And I'm like, it took them a 16-game win streak to literally <laughs> right. take a half-game lead yeah. in the conference. That's how good Boston has been, you know, just about all season long. So let's not, you know, go too far, 
you know, with, with this with the Celtics. And I think, you know, the Boston is just on both ends of the floor. I think they're the most complete team. They defend. They can score. They can score in a lot of different ways. They're uh, worst enemy in a lot of ways is themselves. They, they beat themselves when they turn it over a bunch or they don't make shots. But more often than not, they, they, they do well with those things. So I, I think we're in a position where it's probably going to be one of those two teams, and I would still lean Boston slightly right now. But let's see who has home court advantage in a matchup if they get there. Last couple of things for my guest, Keith Smith. Um, Quinn Snyder gets hired by the Hawks. He's there already. Can he get Trey Young, get that relatively young team on track where Nate McMillan couldn't the past two years? I think he's got a chance. I think he's got some cachet coming in that that maybe uh, Nate McMillan didn't have. Maybe um, you know the other guys that they've brought through there haven't been able to get that buy-in. I think he can point to, hey, I've made these systems work with a primary scoring guard before. I've made it work with a defensive-minded big man. Like let let's get after this this way. But I look at it for Atlanta. Is I didn't see some people like. Well, they've got Quinn Snyder now. You know how far are they going to climb in the standings? And my thing was, well, this season is what it is. It's just going to be, you know, whatever. But I think this was a good jump start on things, and it's going to be a chance for Quinn Snyder and that front office to look and see, all right, who fits now under this new system with the new coach? What is it going to look like? What can you run? What can't you run? How do we need to move forward? So you get a little bit of a jump start on the off season versus trying to start fresh in the in the summertime and going into the fall. With training camp, you've already got a little bit of that under your belt. That'll help them guide roster decisions. So I look at this was like a, almost a half-year head start on what's going to be a major, majorly important uh, summer for the Hawks. Now, last thing here, and I, and I hate to rush you, but um, we have about 30, to, 30 seconds to a minute. What, what do you think about the Suns? Uh, first, first game with uh, Kevin Durant, what did you think of how they looked? Yeah, Kevin Durant is the all-time greatest plug-and-play player we've ever had in the league. You just drop him in any situation he's going to play. He can play on-ball, he can play off-ball. And I don't think anybody's happier about Kevin Durant being there than Devin Booker. He saw a lot of wide-open shots he probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. So, really fun team there in Phoenix. They're going to be a really tough out in the playoffs. Always appreciate it, Keith. Let's do it again soon. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. He is Keith Smith from Track and from the front office show with Trevor Lane on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. Let's Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.